True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Everybody is hurt. What is happening? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Chris has to loosen up the arm. He's dealing with a little bit of a stinger Slept there. wrong or something. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, my shoulder has kind of been banged up a little bit. I really need to get this checked out, but talk about that another day. <laughs> Apologies to those who are watching us live. We had a bit of a delay here. We have some technological issues. But if you're listening to us, we should be fine. Everything's good. Of course, when I say everybody is hurt, I'm not talking about Chris. But I am referring to Zach Gallen, Kirby Yates, and Jose LeClerc. We'll get to those injuries in just a little bit. Plus, we have updates to our sleepers, breakouts, and busts. And a little bit of team name Tuesday. So let's get things started with Zach Gallen. He was scratched on Monday with lateral forearm soreness in his pitching arm. And I saw this little note from... Nick Savale, who is a physical therapist, he tweeted this out. Lateral forearm tightness is not the side of the UCL. This is much better to hear than medial forearm. We shouldn't even be thinking Tommy John with this type of location. Regardless, it's very scary. What do we do with Zach Gallen? Scott, how far are we dropping him in the ranks? I dropped him to 32 in my starting pitcher rankings, which with the intention of hoping I get him a lot there, I, I think maybe the scariness is being overblown a little just because it's, you know, so new into the season and a lot of people just drafted or haven't drafted yet. And so it feels like the the sky is falling. Um, but it's not. I mean, there there is that favorable sign. There are other favorable signs. He's actually been getting treatment for this injury for 10 days, which means when he started on St. Patty's Day, it was already going on and they let him go out there and start. It wasn't a good start for what it's worth, but apparently didn't feel it on any of his pitches but the curveball. Curveball is an important pitch for him. Obviously, you don't want a feeling it at all, but I think it's likely he rests it for 10 days to two weeks. Takes another couple weeks to build up again, and then we're seeing him in mid-April. And, you know, Chris, was it was funny. We were talking about Zach Gallen, uh, his possible innings limit on the show yesterday, and Chris said, you know, it may be one of those situations where he sprains his ankle, misses three weeks, and then there's suddenly there's no innings limit anymore. Maybe this is that sprained ankle, 
And uh, there's actually a silver lining to this. Yeah, I mean, it's not, but he's not less likely to have that sprained ankle. Later, of course, yeah. You know, so I, <laughs> I think the, the the thing when you're talking about injury risk is when a player is actually injured. I think that's when you know it is time to to drop them. You know, if it's like Zach Gallen had a forearm injury 12 months ago, well, yeah, he's a pitcher. He throws like. 3,000 pitches over the course of the season. He's probably going to have some forearm soreness at some point, but he has forearm soreness right now. And so that is a concern, but I agree with Scott. It doesn't seem right now as if this is a reason to, uh, you know, totally panic. The sky is not falling. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure the sky is falling, Chris. Okay, fine. The sky is falling. <laughs> I, I typically overreact to stuff like this, and, and that's you know something I brought up to Scott before. Scott usually keeps me in check because I'm always trying to make like crazy rash moves whenever anything like this happens, so I was freaking out today. And then we had all this closer stuff, and I'm just like, dude, we're not even a week out from the season yet, and everyone is hurt. <laughs> this is just like, I'm losing I mean, my this, mind. The, this is a it's relative... I was actually thinking the other day, like there have been relatively few injuries yeah. so far this spring. I, you think so? All I, right. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Scott, you said you moved into 32 at starting pitcher? Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's at the end of the t- of, of the tier for me. Yeah. That's the, the end of the next best things, which is uh, where Paddock, Ian Anderson, Jesus Lazardo is. I have Gallon right behind them. Yeah. And like I said, I, I intentionally moved him to the end of the tier because I like I was actually encouraged seeing all these fantasy analysts like Frank uh, losing their minds over it. Because <laughs> like, oh, maybe I can get a lot more Zach Gallon now for really uh for really less than he should go for. Yeah, I mean it's the kind of thing where like the fact that he didn't injure it throwing, uh, allegedly, you know, obviously we don't know that for sure, but that seems yeah. to be the case. That's what we know right now. He felt it um, when he was swinging a bat, yeah. That I mean, that doesn't mean he didn't injure it throwing, right. and he just. But you know, it's 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 a lot easier for Zach Gallon to just not swing hard than it is for him to not throw hard. You know, that doesn't none of this necessarily guarantees that he'll stay healthy. But he's a starting pitcher. None of nothing guarantees that he'll stay healthy. Um, I actually in my, in my first look, I moved him down to what I guess would be the top of the same tier that you probably have him in. I, you know, obviously, the names are a little different, but. I have him right ahead of, I have him 26th in my first look at it, ahead of Charlie Morton, ahead of Chris Paddock, ahead of Max Fried, Jesus Lazardo. And the way I look at it is, he's an injury risk right now for sure. Is he more of an injury risk than Charlie Morton? I guess he's hurt right now, so yes, slightly more. But yeah. is he you know, more of a, a risk, you know, probably less of an injury risk than Chris Paddock. Although Chris Paddock had like 115 career innings heading into the 2019 season because of injuries. Um, yeah. You know, Hazel Cesardo, tons of injuries in his career. Sixto Sanchez has had several elbow issues in his career. So um, yeah. I, I think that kind of range uh, and, you know, I have like nine pitchers between 106 and 120 five in my rankings maybe a little more than that so yeah probably in that range yeah somewhere around there i wouldn't move him below denelson lamette for sure who's 35 for me right right Mm -hmm. yeah no that makes sense and you know kind of my thinking too was i didn't want to i didn't want to drop him so little that i was going to end up taking him two rounds before i had to i kind of i kind of moved him as far down as i felt comfortable moving him and still thinking I could get him was kind of the way mm-hmm. I, I approached it. Mm-hmm. I've got a 
15 team salary cap draft coming up. It's either tomorrow or Wednesday. I should probably know when it is, but yeah, I'll, I'll let everyone know how much Zach Allen goes for because I'm actually interested to see for myself what that price tag is going to look like. I originally moved them down to SP 21 just behind Steven Strasburg. I was like, all right, well, Strasburg's kind of hurt. Like, you know, they're two different body parts, but we'll just lump these guys together. And I was like, nah, I should probably lower them a little bit more. So I dropped them down to SP 31 myself, just behind names like Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, Jesus Lazardo, and Zach Greinke. So uh, that is the range. If you are drafting in the next couple of days and want to take a shot on Zach Gallen, that's, that's what we're looking at. Kirby Yates is dealing with a flexor pronator strain and will miss a few weeks. He had surgery last season to remove bone chips in his elbow, and he is no spring chicken either. He's 33 or 34 years old. So, Chris, does this automatically mean Jordan Romano is the next man up? Yeah, and I, I think I moved Romano. I want to say he was like 15. I don't think he'll, you know, I, I don't believe he's just like the closer forever now, but he's a pretty good pitcher who figures to be the closer at the start of the season. And right now there aren't much more than about 15 pitchers who I can say that for. Yep. Jordan Romano picked up some saves last year down the stretch for the Blue Jays. He had two saves with the team. He had five holds. He had a 1.23 ERA, 0.89 whip with nearly 13 mm-hmm. strikeouts per nine. He was very good last year, Jordan Romano. So, he, and, and he did get anointed the closer after Ken Giles went down, and then Romano himself got hurt. So Rafael Delis ended up getting most of the saves down the stretch for the Blue Jays. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, the manager did say he doesn't necessarily feel the need to name a closer. Well, but he's a manager. Right. That's, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the company line right now. Um, and also... The pitching coach Pete Walker just over the weekend was saying Jordan Roman is a closer in the making. So I, I think it's probably going to be Romano. And I think he could potentially keep the job. It, it just sure. depends how many weeks Yates is out and how good Romano is in his absence. So, Scott, who would you rather have, Jordan Romano or Jordan Hicks? I would rather have Romano. I, I don't. I don't really know when Hicks is going to take over the job for the Cardinals. It, it seems pretty clear to me that they want him as their closer, but um, you know he's made a, two appearances this spring, I think, and it hasn't. So hasn't gone I was too- I was looking at that. The one thing I did notice was uh, his very first appearance of the spring was, uh, gosh, I think it was uh, twenty-two pitch at bat. That was the 22-pitch yep. at bat to Luis Guillorme, and it so was, he only yep. made uh, technically one. Uh, he only faced one batter in that appearance, and, like, you know, obviously you would rather him not have thrown tw- needed 22 pitches to uh, to get through Luis, Luis Guillorme, but, you know, that, you know, the, the, like, he's only thrown, like, two and two-thirds innings or something in, in four appearances, but I think you can kind of give him a slide on that. The stuff apparently is... Yeah. Every No, I, I'm, I'm just I'm kind of going by the reactions to his appearances where it sounds like they're happy where he is physically but they want they, they don't feel like he's quite in sync yet. So I don't know how long it's going to take him to get there, but I do think they want him there. Um I'd rather have Romano. How about Romano versus guys like Greg Holland and Daniel Bard, Scott? So that I, I actually slot him in between those two. Oh. Um all right. I have him I have Holland right ahead of him. I feel pretty good about Holland, maybe too good about Holland. Holland is kind of like the last closer that I feel like, um, I don't know. I mean, I draft a lot of Soria and Bard too after Holland, but like Holland's the last closer that I feel pretty comfortable will actually 
be a full-time closer and keep his job. And maybe, maybe I'm, maybe that's, maybe I'm basing that on too little because uh, Mike Matheny was kind of all over the place last year and Holland was there the whole time. Uh, but that's, that's how I'm approaching Holland. I have Romano just behind him. All right. So Jordan Romano, he's in that closer two range more like a closer one for Scott because he likes to wait at the position. But yeah, I mean, if you've already drafted and you took Kirby Yates on your team, Chances are, unless your league is a saves plus holds league, Jordan Romano is a free agent. So just go out and look for that name. He's the one we believe to be the next man up for the Toronto Blue Jays. How about the Texas Rangers? Jose LeClerc will miss extended an extended period of time with elbow soreness. Scott, I meant to ask you this before we started, so I'll just ask you on the air. Do you mind if I steal your, your president joke? No, go ahead. <laughs> Chris, which president do you like more, Bush or Kennedy? That's, I didn't. I didn't ask that. That's a dangerous question. <laughs> uh, I think Kennedy's probably better. Okay, but I don't know. It's like, funny that those aren't just names of former presidents. Those are like the two biggest names in American politics, right? Bush and Kennedy. Yes, of course. Matt Bush and Ian Kennedy, two of the uh, biggest names in politics today, and two relievers that are in the Texas Rangers bullpen, who are basically the two. The last guy standing in this bullpen. Jonathan Hernandez is dealing with a UCL injury. He was awesome last year. Might have been in the closer mix. Uh, Demarcus Evans, who I've been scouting for a few years now. He's been a prospect for the Rangers. He throws extremely hard, gets a lot of strikeouts, and made his debut last year. He's dealing with a lat injury. So we're left with Matt Bush, who has not pitched since 2018 in the major leagues and has had two elbow surgeries since. And um, he was the closer for the Rangers back in 2017. He had 10 saves then. And Ian Kennedy, who had 30 saves back for the Royals in 2019 and then just completely imploded last season. So, Chris, who do you think between these two, if you had to pick one, Matt Bush or Ian Kennedy? I think it's probably Kennedy. Sorry, I got very distracted just now because... So, I have a Discord channel with some of my friends and we play Call of Duty Warzone together and we use Discord to chat in-game. And apparently I had left my vocals attached to the Discord all day and they just logged in to play without me and heard me talking <laughs> about fantasy baseball and started talking to me. Oh my God. So I hopefully you guys couldn't hear them, but that just took me out of the game. But yes, if I had to pick one, if you're forcing me to pick between Ian Kennedy and Matt Bush, I would just say that this is why I don't want to draft or, or really care about relief pitchers. Scott, who do you, who do you uh, think between those two Bush and Kennedy? And these are nothing more than like third closer specs, like late in your roto or categories draft. I mean, other than the Tigers and Orioles situation, this is clearly the last situation I'm targeting for saves. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, Tanner Scott might be a clearer choice even than these guys. Yeah. I, I just feel like the way their names have been brought up, it's kind of brought up Matt Bush. Oh, and also Ian Kennedy. Like, that's how it's always phrased. So I, I, I presume that means they're leading Bush, but that's obviously not me going on much. Mm -hmm. I rank them right next to each other. And they both pitched on Monday, Matt Bush, a clean inning with two strikeouts. Ian Kennedy, also a clean inning. He did walk one. He did not get any strikeouts. I believe I saw Matt Bush was throwing 95 miles per hour with his fastball. He got two whiffs on 10 pitches. Ian Kennedy was throwing 93 miles per hour. He had one whiff on 15 pitches. So 
I don't know that that means anything. This is a terrible closer situation. Um, I would Here. probably lean with Kennedy just because he's pitched more recently and has been more effective recently. Who's who do you think is older between the two of them? I think I actually let's go with Matt Bush. It is Ian Kennedy. Okay, he is just a year older, but yikes! I was I was wondering if I could get you to you know guess Bush or or maybe think he was like super young because he's only been pitching for three years in the majors. But you know, for those Where? of you youngins, he was a former top pick back in. 2007 as a third baseman. Wow. Yikes. I believe that's Scott. Correct me if I'm wrong. San Diego Padres. Uh, I, I, I know he, I know he was a former first overall pick. I didn't remember. I thought he was a pitcher, but no shortstop. Yeah. Shortstop is where he started out. Yeah. Um, It was the first overall pick. I think he was like a signability thing. Yeah. I mean, it it used to be a lot of signability thing. It went through a stretch there where the number one overall pick was, Often, often uh, didn't live up to that. But um, where's he been the past two years? He hasn't pitched since 2018. 2004 draft. Wow. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Yeah, he was was the first overall pick back in 2004. I read that Matt Bush had elbow two elbow surgeries since 2018. So he he might have just got hurt once, Scott, and then tried to work his way back, and he got hurt again. So I was reading a little bit about him earlier. Today, uh, some other news items, nothing major outside of those injuries. Julio Tehran, back tightness, velocity has been up this spring. Uh, a very late sleeper in deeper leagues, so he got hurt on Monday. Spencer Turnbull is in the COVID health and safety protocols, so this might ensure that both Tarek Skubal and Casey Mize are in the opening day rotation for the Detroit Tigers. Scott, I'm pretty sure you're getting our group text from an hour ago. They're just arriving yeah. to your phone now. So This is, this is your fault, Frank. It's yeah. not my fault for not muting my phone. It's your fault. Well, you know. for texting me, you know, an hour ago. I'm sorry. And now I'm just getting it. <laughs> Casey Mize has been a bit of a mess this spring. His velocity is like three miles per hour up. And yep. so I'm excited about that. But like, I, I really would have liked to have moved him like into the top 200. I really like his profile. I, I think he can be really good. But 10 walks and 10 innings uh, so far in the spring. Is, uh, is forcing me to keep him outside of the top 250. You hate to see it. Ronaldo Lopez was optioned to the Chicago White Sox alternate training site. Wow. That means that Carlos Rodon will be the team's fifth starter in their rotation. We spoke about him a little bit on yesterday's podcast. Denelson Lamette will make his spring training debut on Wednesday against the Giants. He's been throwing simulated games to this point, but has yet to exceed 29 pitches. That does not mean that he will be ready to start the season on time, but... Definitely worth monitoring to see what his velocity looks like, if he's throwing his breaking pitches, etc., etc. Again, that is Denelson Lamette. Enrique Kike Hernandez has done, quote, everything possible to be the Red Sox leadoff hitter to start the season. We haven't talked much about Kike Hernandez uh, now with the Red Sox. ADP is 362.8. Scott, anything to see here? I mean, if he's leading off with the Red Sox, their lineup's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It's going to be a low batting average. It's going to be modest power, no speed, and just, you know, the, the lineup, a lineup spot can't carry a player that far. I'm not saying he's going to be useless all season, but you don't really need to invest draft capital in him. You know, he'll, he'll be somebody maybe you pick up midseason because you have a hole to fill. That's about it. 
Philly starting pitcher Zach Eflin is expected to avoid the injured list as he works his way back from a back injury that he's been dealing with here in the spring. And sticking with the Phillies, JT Realmuto could make his spring debut as early as Tuesday. He is returning from a broken thumb that he suffered back in February. Let's quickly promote a few things that we got here. The madness is underway, and you may be wondering, how do I actually watch all of these games? What's on CBS and what's not on CBS? Where the heck is Duke? Relax. It's easy. Go to the CBS Sports app on your connected TV or phone. And from there, you'll see every tournament game available to watch, whether it's on CBS or March Madness Live. Think of it like a gateway to all the action. So download the CBS Sports app now so you never miss a minute of the NCAA tournament. Chris, what are you doing? I was trying to be, it was like a gateway, but I I did it wrong. I guess it should have been like this. I think that would have been... I'm trying to make a gateway with my hands. You, you do like, trying like, to provide a, a visual element for the to to get people to to subscribe on on YouTube.com/slash/FantasyBaseball today. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate the visuals here, but while I'm reading stuff, it's a little distracting. It's <laughs> just just a tad bit. We do have an email of the day. This one's from Brian Bowles. Does Josh Bell lose at bats to Ryan Zimmerman this season, or do you think Bell can be counted on for a full time role? And this is not the first time I've seen people bring this up. Ryan Zimmerman is having a great spring. He's 7 for 15 with three home runs. But Josh Bell, he's also doing pretty good himself. He's 12 for 32, four home runs. He has eight strikeouts to six walks. So, okay, it's not terrible. Scott, it sounds like you are scoffing at this possibility. Oh, not terrible. Well, Bell's having an amazing spring, too. Uh, The thought did occur to me when I saw... Zimmerman's uh, when I saw him hit his third home run, I was like, "Man, how how are they going to find playing time for this guy?" Um, but you know, he was on the verge of retirement. He's thirty six years old. He hasn't been good since twenty seventeen. I just think, I just don't think it's anything to worry about. There's been a lot of enthusiasm for Josh Bell coming out of uh, out of Nationals camp. Will he steal a start occasionally? Probably. Like no, no, hardly anybody plays 162 games. But I don't think it's like I'm more con- honestly. I'm more con- this. I feel like we haven't talked about this enough. I'm more concerned. Pete Alonso loses starts with some regularity to Dominic Smith than that Josh Bell loses starts to Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I would look at it the other way. I would be more worried about Zimmerman affecting Josh Bell than than Dominic yeah. Smith affecting Pete Alonso. I just think Pete Alonso like, is... Pete Alonso's a lot better than Josh Bell. Yeah, I agree no. with that. Wait, what? Yeah, Pete, Pete Alonso's a Pete lot... Pete Alonso's a lot better than Josh better Bell than, is a controversial statement? Yeah, I didn't okay. think so, I didn't think so either, all, Chris. He wasn't two years ago. Well, yeah, he was. So if, yeah, we, he think, was. if we think Josh Bell's going to bounce back to two years ago... Scott, um, Pete Alonso hit like 53 home runs two years ago. I know. And he, Bell had a 968 OPS. Yeah, I don't. Josh Bell was pretty good. I don't know if Alonzo's OPS was higher than that. Maybe not, but I think Pete Alonzo right. is better than. But Josh first Bell. of all, regardless of that, to put that aside, <laughs> it's really more about Dominic Smith versus Ryan Zimmerman. Who needs to find at bats more? Who does the who does his team feel like needs at bats more? And I feel like the Mets are going to want to find at-bats for Dominic Smith more than the Nationals are for Ryan Zimmerman. And one of those routes to at-bats for Dominic Smith is, is first base. I'm, I'm, not saying a, I'm not saying they're going to platoon over there or anything. Alonzo's only going to start against lefties. But could he lose a start a week to Dominic Smith at first base? I think that's a possibility. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I just, like, Josh Bell hasn't been good against lefties in his career. 
Yeah, that, that's been a, an ongoing issue for him. That was still an issue, um, you know, even in 2019. And Pete Alonso was better than Josh Bell in 2019, for the record, 143 WRC plus to 135. Uh, but I just think the Mets are a lot more committed to Pete Alonso than the Nationals are to Josh Bell. The Nationals could just cut Josh Bell at the end of the season and not really miss him. Yep, Pete Alonso is a, a significant part of the Mets' core plans. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that statement. And Dominic Smith, he can play the outfield. I'm not saying he's going to play it well, but he can play in the outfield. Right. Ryan Zimmerman is not playing the outfield. That's just, that's not happening. So Obviously uh, not. I, I just think Ryan Zimmerman's at a stage of his career where it's not necessary for him to get at bats. Yeah, he's just I mean, there for an emergency bench bat kind of guy. Sure. I mean, it, that very easily could be the case, but this isn't the first time I've seen someone bring this up, so I thought it was a fair email and something to talk about regarding... Josh Bell. I'm pretty excited about him. I drafted him in my main event draft this past weekend as my starting first baseman. So, fingers crossed. Hope Josh Bell does not lose any playing time. Let's update the people, the good people, on our sleepers, breakouts, and bust 3.0. And we'll go back and forth here. We'll we'll start off with one of let's start off with one of Chris's sleepers, and then we'll jump over to one of Scott's as well. Uh, Chris, you recently added Josh Rojas to yes, your sleepers. Of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who's just having a great spring. He's 18 for 53, three home runs so far. He's scorching the ball, stack ass hero right now. Strikeouts a little bit higher than I would like to be. He has 15 strikeouts and 53 at bats. But back in 2019 in the minors, he had a great season 23 home runs, 33 steals. So talk to me about Josh Rojas. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a power speed play. And, um, you know, like you said, what was it, 20, 24 steals? 24 homers, 33 steals is what you said. Did I just repeat exactly what you said, but slower? 23, 33. Um, 23, 33, and also 33 doubles. Yeah, it's just, you know, like in the minors, he's been a really good contact hitter, you know, right around 15% strikeout rate, been a good walk guy, over 12%. That's something he's done in the majors so far. And so, you know, hitting the ball with authority in spring training, like you said, um, and it seems like there's an opportunity for him to play pretty regularly with the Diamondbacks, if not, you know, every day. I think with Cattell Marte likely playing center field full time, there's a chance that Josh Rojas is just the everyday uh, second baseman. I think early on he'll probably split some time with Azurbel Cabrera, but uh, if Josh Rojas is playing every day, I think there's a chance that he can give you 15 homers and 20 steals without, you know, it's kind of a Trent Grisham light profile with the with the walk rate. I love when you make these comparisons. Why? <laughs> What's just, wrong with that? Oh, every player could just be Austin Meadows. Every player could just be Trent Grisham. It's you know it's no big true. Team. <laughs> you know this is one of the ways in which we uh you know we we explain and understand our world is by making comparisons to thing things that were uh, yeah. Already. I'm down with that. Uh, You're Scott, making a comp. Scott, you recently moved Josh Rojas up to your 30th-ranked second baseman. I moved him up to 36, but I guess I need to get him even higher because I do like him quite a bit. Uh, this is more of a deeper sleeper for someone who's playing in a you know, deeper Roto League or, or head-to-head categories league. The ADP for Rojas is 535.3. He has been on the climb with, the, uh, with, this, with this good spring, but yeah. He's basically. I, I just I just know every fifteen team draft I do, somebody gets to Rojas before I do, and I I'm not happy about it. Mm-hmm. Not I'm I'm actually writing my deeper sleepers column tonight, thirty deep deep sleepers, and uh, Rojas is among them. But he's not in the sleepers proper, mm-hmm. like he is for Chris. 
So I, I guess that makes him more Chris's guy than mine. I drafted him this weekend in round 24 Ooh. of that 15-team league. So hoping he turns into something. And if not, if he stinks early on, well, just cut him. No big deal there. Scott, a new addition to your sleepers, Corey Kluba, who so far this spring, velocity is down a little bit, but he's he's been pretty effective thus far. Six innings pitched, two earned, five strikeouts. And something you said last time we talked about Kluber, I think it was maybe one of the pitching previews. You said he's either going to be Kluber of old and he's just going to be fine or he's going to get hurt and there's probably no in between. How are you feeling about that now? Yeah, I mean, that's basically still how I feel. I don't think his profile is one that's so reliant on velocity. He gets a lot of movement on his pitches. He's really good at commanding the zone. You know, you'd, you'd rather his velocity be exactly where it was, but um, I, I don't think... I'm not that alarmed that it's down, what, a mile per hour from uh, when we last saw him healthy, which was 2018, when he won 20 games and uh, had a, his fourth top five Cy Young finish in five years, including two wins. Like that's, that's just the thing. I think, I know it's been a long time. I know it's been a long time since we've seen Kluber healthy. I know we were making some of these same arguments last year and he lasted one inning. Um, but like, he looks fine. He looks fine for the Yankees. And considering he was an unquestioned ace, like, on the level we value, I don't know, you Darvish or Aaron Nola or something like that right now, when we last saw him with the significant sample to judge him on, I, I have a pretty easy time drafting him where he normally goes, ADP around 150. And climbing. Corey Kluber has been one of the biggest risers so far in spring training. I think people just wanted to see him healthy, and so far to this point, he has looked healthy. So the ADP on Fantasy Pros for Kluber is 150.2, and he's currently up at SP40 overall in Scott's ranks, just ahead of Frankie Montas, Julio Arias, and Mike Soroka. Chris, would you be willing to invest in Kluber ahead of those names? Montas, Arias, Soroka. I think that's right around the right spot. Let me see uh, where I have him exactly. I, I do need to move him up. I moved him up in my head-to-head -head ranks, but I hadn't gotten to Roto yet. Um, yeah, I think right around Frankie Montas makes sense. I have Montas 51st overall. Uh, I could move Kluber to 50th. Sure. All right. So Why is that 10 spots different? That's interesting. What's that? You have Montas 40th? Yeah. No, I have... Kluber 40, Montas 41. You're talking 50 and 51. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have, yeah, we could, there's, you have Carlos Carrasco maybe a little bit lower. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I have Carrasco behind those guys. Oh, uh, there's a hand. I can, like, I definitely have Aaron Savale, Jose Arquidi. Okay. Uh, I would guess I still have Fran Valdez ahead of them. Uh, okay. You probably don't have Marco Gonzalez or no. Herman Marquez. No. Yeah. So sounds like, it sounds like I am shooting for the ace profile rather than settling for somebody who I really don't think has that kind of upside. I guess you could say that if you want to you want to be a jerk about it. <laughs> it's not jerky. It's just a difference in approach. No, you're you're playing fine. it a little safer in that range than I am. Yeah. You know what they say about Chris? He loves to play it safe when it comes to his fantasy <laughs> baseball teams. Uh, Chris, you... Uh, we found your American League team this season. Uh, I think it's the Seattle Mariners because you sent me a list 
of all these new sleepers, and it, just, it was just basically the, the Mariners' starting lineup and their starting rotation. So you added Taylor Trammell, Mitch Hanniger, Yusei Kikuchi, and Justin Dunn. <laughs> I, I honestly had not even thought about that. <laughs> uh, we talk about Kikuchi yeah. quite a bit. We, we've talked about Hanniger a little bit and, and Trammell. So why, why don't you use this time to talk about Justin Dunn? Yes, yeah, so Justin Dunn um, was a prospect. I don't think he has any prospect eligibility left, but uh, he did make 45. Uh, he did throw 45 innings last season. He was, you know, not great. The walks were way too high. Strikeouts weren't great, but uh, his minor league production profile is pretty good. And the biggest thing for me this spring is I think his velocity has been up like two miles per hour so far in the spring. Um, this is a team that's likely to go with a six-man rotation, and so there is an opportunity. I think he's competing with Nick Margavicious for uh, one of those spots, and I just think, you know, a guy that young whose stuff has looked better this spring, I'll take a bet on him. Um, you know that that he figured something out that he was able to that he's able to reach back and and throw a little harder and get more whiffs. Problem is the walk rates are still high in spring, and that's been a continuous issue for him uh, at the major league level. But you know, for me, it's more—he's not really on anyone's radar, and it's an opportunity for me to move him up and you know take a late round risk on him. Uh, I like Kikuchi more, but I um, I think there's there's a lot to like about Justin Dunn. Uh, let's just quickly talk about Mitch Hanniger as well, who. I am with you on. I, I'm pretty excited about him, and he was awesome a couple of years ago, and he dealt with a bunch of injuries. Uh, I think it was back in, at this point, it would have been 20. It's the last two seasons. 2019, I think he fouled the ball off of his yeah. uh, his groin region, which, you know, that's tough in its own right. And then he had a, because of that, he had a sports hernia, which led to a core injury, which led to a back injury, and I think he's had yeah. two different surgeries since then. But when Mitch Hanniger was healthy, he was awesome, and he looks healthy this spring, and he looks awesome again. So his ADP is 248 as the 74th outfielder off the board. I think I moved him up inside my top 60 outfielders. He might even be inside my top 50. So talk about him, Chris. Uh, the biggest thing, I mean, I think you covered most of it. He was, you know, a really solid fantasy outfielder for a long, or, well, not for a long time, for two years, basically, before the injuries. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, I don't think there was anything about those two seasons that was unsustainable. He was someone going into 2019. I'm pretty sure we were drafting as a top 15 outfielder from what I remember. It's possible that as a 30-year-old now, he's lost something amid all the injuries. You know, core injuries can be really tricky. But the last time we saw him was 2019. He had 15 homers in 63 games. He had a 220 batting average to the overall line. Uh, line wasn't great, but the power was there. Uh, he was still walking a decent amount. I think Mitch Hanniger uh, can be another a guy who hits 280 with 25 homers. And, and a big thing is he's likely to bat leadoff for the Mariners at this point. I think he's more likely than not to be their leadoff hitter on opening day. And so that just means more opportunities for plate appearances, more opportunities for runs. And, uh, you know, it, it'll give you a little boost in, in your counting stats as well. Mitch Hanniger... Back in 2018, which was really his breakout season when he hit 285, 26 home runs, eight steals. He finished as a top 10 outfielder in both head-to-head points and Roto. No one's saying he's going to get back to that point, but based on his ADP going outside the top 270 picks, I think Mitch Hattiger is someone that should be on our radars. He's my 56th ranked outfielder, so I moved him up just today. Scott, 
talk to me about hmm, Will Smith. We talked about recently. It's basically if you just believe he's going to be the uh, guy, the pitcher. Yeah. yeah, Will Smith, the the closer or you know presumed closer for the Atlanta Braves. If you believe he's going to be the guy, then he should be really good. He had 34 saves back in 2019. He was a top five reliever in both formats and head to head points and roto. So uh, it's just a belief there in the player. How about Jorge Polanco? You added him to your to your new sleepers list and. I just wanted to ask you what you thought about his 2019. Was that a fluke type season because that was the juice ball and he was a top 60 roto player and he was the sixth best shortstop in points leagues? But outside of that scene, we that season, we really have not seen that type of production from Jorge Polanco ever. Well, I don't know that he's going to hit 22 home runs again. It's possible, uh, but I, it's probably the high end of what he's going to deliver. I would bank on more between 15 and 20. But really what it's about for Polanco is just like, we considered him a must-start shortstop at this time a year ago. And not a lot in the underlying profile changed. He, he obviously disappointed. He hit 258 um, with an OPS around 650. But the strikeout rate was still 15.5. The line drive rate was still elite. Like between those two, like that should yield a high batting average. He should be... With a line drive rate that good, a strikeout rate that good, that's a 300 hitter, 290 at worst. Um, and uh, uh, in the short season, it didn't happen. Now, he was also coming off ankle surgery. He didn't reveal this until spring training, that he was still feeling. The ankle still wasn't feeling right, so he had another ankle surgery this offseason. It feels good. But uh, it's Polanco's just somebody like nobody seems to want. So even in 15 team leagues, I'm drafting him very late, sometimes for my bench even. And he's going to be picking up second base eligibility. I, I think part of the issue is that a lot of people just don't believe he's actually the starting second baseman. I don't know why. I think maybe Luis Arias got some uh, got some hype last year, and people aren't willing to let it go. But like the the story that they they really. There wasn't a question after they they signed Simmons to be their shortstop. Oh, we're moving Polanco to second base now. Like Rocco Baldelli had a conversation with him, says this is, you know, Polanco said, I'm going to be the best second baseman I can be. It was how that conversation went. And like Arise isn't good at second base. They're kind of wanting him to take over the Marwin Gonzalez super utility role. So I, I don't, I, I think it's just people want to believe in Arise. So that means that Polanco can't be the guy if it rises, but rise isn't going to be. So whatever. I'll take Polanco. Chris, you have added Freddie Peralta to the mix for your sleepers. You've got some real deep sleepers here. I like this. Um, I've seen some hype recently on Freddie Peralta. So I was going to ask you what it, what that's all about so far in the spring, eight and a third, one earned 15 strikeouts to just three walks for Freddie Peralta. So why are you getting excited about him, Chris? Yeah. So when I did my sleepers, uh, you know, this time I basically focused on guys with an ADP outside of the top 250. I might have one guy who's like 245, uh, but for the most part, yeah, I am looking deeper for this. And in Peralta's case, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's thrown 192 innings in the majors with a 372 FIP, 1205 K per nine. There are limitations to his game. You know, he has been primarily a fastball pitcher, uh, 76% overall in his career. It's a high spin rate fastball that comes at hitters from a weird angle and it, it tends to get on top of them. Uh, but he's been, you know, kind of working on the secondaries. Last season it was a slider, 24% was a little harder. I just think he's a really talented pitcher. He's only 24 years old, which was 
frankly shocking when I was reminded of that. Uh, I assumed he was like 26 or 27. So, you know, I think that's a good sign for his chances of figuring it out. Um, and it sounds like he's got a pretty decent chance to win that fifth starter job for the Brewers. And there was a, a quote that I saw from Craig Council, uh, I think after yesterday's start, where he said basically like, by the end of April, I can assure you both Freddie Peralta and Josh Lindblom will be, th- will be throwing, uh, will be starting games for us. So, you know, I, I don't think there's one winner. And even if he's not in the bullpen, or even if he's not in the starting rotation, you know, if he's throwing 85 to 90 innings like he was in 2019 and he can get his ratios down and be an elite strikeout guy, that's a profile that I think has a lot of value this season. I've talked about it with Alex Reyes, and then there's a handful of other guys that I think it's true about. And Freddie Peralta, whether he's in the rotation or pitching in relief, can be one of those guys. So um, I just think there's a lot to get excited about in his profile. I feel like it's kind of a discount Tony Gonsolin. Freddie Peralta sure. is going to probably make 12 to 15 starts, a multi-inning reliever when he's not starting. Yeah. And the ratios and could I, be really good. I draft... Tony Gonson a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I like both of those guys. Yep. Just it's t- a profile that I like this year. Yeah. Take a shot on the skills. Freddie Peralta, the ADP is 320.2. And I was just looking at the Brewers bullpen. This thing is stacked, man. It is so good. If, if Freddie Peralta winds up there, Josh Hader, Devin Williams, Brent Suter, who's been really good as well, and then, uh, and then Freddie Peralta. So, Something that the Brewers have done the past couple of years, we know Woodruff's going to go deep into his starts. Hopefully, Corbin Burns goes deep into his starts. But outside of that, I mean, Hauser, Anderson, there's been some hype for Josh Lindblom. But Hauser's velocity's up in spring. Yeah, but, you know, if these guys, they might just let them, they just might let these guys go five innings and then it's just a hook, right? Because when you have a bullpen like that, it's, why not, right? Turn it over to, to some of these really talented relievers as well. A bonus sleeper. This one's for me. Brady Singer. Haven't we haven't talked about him all that much here throughout the spring, but he was very good down the stretch last year, a top pitching prospect for the Kansas City Royals. And last year, last four starts for Singer, 1.50 ERA, 3.68 XFIP. Basically just used two pitches during that time, his fastball and his slider. But they are talking up his changeup in the spring, and he's trying to throw it more. He does have a few more strikeouts here in the spring, 15 strikeouts in 12 innings pitch. Again, that is... Brady Singer, who has an ADP of 265.4. He fits that mold of, usually I like to get four of my top 30 pitchers, maybe sprinkle in another one in the top 40 range, and then just load up on a bunch of upside guys after picks 200. Brady Singer is one of those pitchers for me. If you're watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you are listening to the podcast, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we've got Breakouts 3.0 here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 
Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. So let's start things off with, Chris, you've talked about Brandon Woodruff a few times, and he's already kind of broken out, broken out, unless you could think he can get to... Even another level, is is that kind of, kind of what you're thinking for Brandon Woodruff? It's more about just, yeah, I think he did kind of break out a little bit last season, the 305 ERA. I, I think given the in- increase in, in spin rate on his fastball, I think that did represent uh, a new level that Woodruff reached. But it's mostly for me uh, just about him. You know, I'm I'm predicting that this is going to be the season where he puts it all together, stays healthy, pitches deep into games, and is like a, you know, top five to ten starting pitcher in fantasy. I'm uh, with in you. 2021. It's it's, you know, all about staying healthy. He man, he did it last season. Uh, he didn't do it in 2019. But before uh, the injury in 2019, which I was an oblique strain in 2019. I think that's what it was. Um, you know, he was pitching consistently deep into games. His uh, his first 19 starts, he was on pace for over 200 innings. And so I think he can be that, you know, pitch deep in the games kind of ace. I don't know if they're going to let him throw 190 innings this season. I would guess it's probably more like 175, 180. But, um, you know, he could still get to 200 strikeouts there. And he could have a 3-1 ERA and be a legitimate ace. Again, that is Brandon Woodruff, who has an ADP of 38.4 on Fantasy Pros. And Chris has him at SP11 in his ranks. I have him at SP10, and Scott has him at SP14. Sandy Alcantara, we've all talked about him quite a bit recently. Scott, you've moved him all the way up to SP32 in your rankings. Had a good start today. Uh, yeah, he had another solid start, and that came against the Cardinals. The one thing he allowed... Very long home run to my guy, Dylan Carlson. I was watching that game, and that was an absolute rocket. But so far in the spring, 24 strikeouts over 17 and a third for Sandy Alcantara. Uh, the nine walks, don't love that, but I do like that he's getting more more whiffs, more swings and misses there with uh, with Sandy Alcantara. Tarek Skubal. Scott, why don't you talk to me about Tarek Skubal? Because he's, he's going very late as well. And uh, I think that he has earned a spot in the Tigers' rotation. But why is he in your breakouts, Colin? Well, Frank, I think he's going to break out. And why, the reason why I think he's going to break out is because uh, he's got a new new pitch. New pitch. You know, he's, he, he really l- relied on the fastball when he reached the majors last year because it's an uh, amazing fastball. And it's basically all he needed to dominate the minors. So his secondary pitches were kind of underdeveloped. Started mixing in a changeup more uh, over his last few starts and got better results overall doing that. But it wasn't a great changeup. So he, he spent some time with driveline baseball this off season and they helped him determine that the way he really needed to go was, was more of a splitter, like a split change. Um, and that would get the movement that would complement his arsenal the best. And it's been earning rave reviews. It, it sounds like he's gaining confidence in his breaking ball this spring too. He had, 
I think I think this is right. I think he had a sequence against Bryce Harper this spring where he didn't throw a single fastball, um, just kind of you know challenging himself. And I think he ended up striking out Harper. So um, you know he's he seems to really be making strides with the whole rest of his arsenal. And if he ended up with a a swinging strike rate on par with Trevor Bauer last year and a K per nine, I think it was around eleven with basically just the fastball without any of that secondary stuff, then like could take off like a rocket ship this year. If the rest of the arsenal is, if even one of those pitches is something, it could be a big deal for, to re, for Tarek Skubal. I saw the other, in his previous start, he also threw eight cutters. And uh, last year he only threw seven total in however many starts he made. But it was more than one, so it was interesting to see that he's throwing that cutter a little bit more as well. You always got to pay attention. Whenever these guys work with driveline baseball in the offseason, not that it's like a surefire, okay, this player is going to break out or get back on track, but good things have happened for other pitchers that have worked with driveline baseball in the past as well. Chris, Victor Robles is an addition to your breakouts, and I know Scott doesn't necessarily feel the same way, so tell us why you're excited about Victor Robles. Yeah, it's all about finding more consistency. For him, uh, you know, he's still only 24 years old, or actually, he's not 24 yet. He'll turn 24 uh, on May 19th, so he's still super young. Even though it feels like he's been around and been disappointing uh, for quite some time, he's really only had one full season plus, you know, last season. And it seems like the Nationals at this point are committed to giving him a chance to hit leadoff, and he's been hitting well so far in the spring you know still too many strikeouts you'd like to see the contact rate increase improve but uh three home runs four stolen bases and the steals are obviously uh the real calling card here he has played 52 games as a start as a leadoff hitter or batting second in the lineup it's 48 starts uh his per 150 game pace he has 14 stolen bases so his per 152 game pace is 44 steals from those spots and i just think if he's batting leadoff, they're going to let him run. And if he can just keep his head above water, uh, there is a chance that he's a 35-40 stolen base guy. He's really an elite speed guy. Uh, in the minors, he stole a bunch of bases. And there's more to the bat than I think he's gotten credit for. You look at the average exit velocity, and he looks really bad. 82.2 miles per hour last season is really, really bad. Uh, he had a max exit velo of 109.2 miles per hour. Freddie Freeman actually had one at one of his max exit velo last year was 109.3. Obviously, Freddie Freeman, a lot more consistent. But the tools are there for Robust to be, uh, dare I say, a Byron Buxton-esque player. <laughs> uh, Isn't Byron Buxton still trying to be and, Byron and Buxton? And you know how much I love some Byron Buxton. No, I think he can be someone who hits, in a best-case scenario, 20 homers and 35 stolen bases. And if he does that and bats lead off most of the season for the Nationals, He's going to be a top 50 player. I, I think if he plays, if Victor Robles stays healthy and spends the whole season batting leadoff or around there, you know, 75% of his plate appearances, he's probably going to be a top 50 player. Yep. It's easy. That means that he was good enough to keep hitting leadoff. Right. He's going to score a bunch of runs. He's going to steal a bunch of bases. Um, there's a lot of potential there. Yep. That's the if. But if he does do that, if he remains in the, in the leadoff spot for the Nationals, it's easy profit. At that point. And uh, Maria Torres, actually, for The Athletic, she covers the Nationals. She wrote an article, a great feature, actually, about Victor Robles recently. I really like that one, yeah. Yeah, and, and he was talking about how he put on a ton of muscle last year because he was he wanted to become more of a home run hitter. He said 
he quote started forgetting some basic elements of his approach. He's trying to go back to making more contact yeah. and, and letting his speed, you know, and I, I think the the anecdote was like he kept he was like he would see Juan Soto out there and be like I want to be like Juan Soto and then I yep. think one of the coaches was like you're not Juan Soto um, <laughs> just shut him down <laughs> and that's not like you know it's not to, to be mean it's just like you're your own guy you're a really exactly. good player potentially yeah um, he was so, a, he yeah. was a better prospect than Juan Soto I think every year that yeah Robles they were ranked was, as prospects that's the thing is it, it does feel like Robles has been this giant disappointment but. One, he was actually really good in 2019, or 20, 2019, right? He had uh, yeah. 19 homers and 29 yeah, steals. Yeah, I mean, obviously better in a roto sense it than a real fluky. life or, or other format sense. But, but it, yeah. it feels like people have really given up on him after one partial bad season for a guy who is still 23. So I like him. Again, that was Victor Robles, who finished as a top 25 outfielder in Roto back in 2019 yep. with 17 home runs, 28 steals, and he was the 79th overall player that season in that format. Uh, Scott, who else do you have here? You have Amir Garrett. We've talked about him quite a bit. If you want to remind people quickly why you think he's a breakout. Because I think he's really the closer, even mm-hmm. though they're not admitting it yet. They uh, they brought him back in uh he made his Cactus League debut the other day after a forearm issue, struck out the side, and they used him in the ninth inning, which doesn't necessarily mean anything in spring training, but it was just kind of it was kind of hard not to read anything into it, knowing the position he's in. And David Bell was just raving about him after the game, and Garrett's been saying all along he feels like the role's his. So, And, like, you talk about the closer mentality. Yeah. Like, if any player in baseball has the closer mentality, like... Amir Garrett, like, you got to want the ball. Yeah. And Amir Garrett wants the ball in the ninth inning. He, he, also, wants, he wants to fight entire yeah. teams. I yeah, mean, that, no, he's... <laughs> it's also, like, Amir Garrett's one of those dudes that, like, it's fun to put him on your breakout list just because rooting for him is so much fun. Yes. Uh, uh, my plan, basically, going into every draft is... You, you mentioned Will Smith, the pitcher, earlier on my sleepers list. Draft Will Smith is my number one closer draft Amir Garrett is my number two closer they both might be top five this year it's possible and you know obviously you're not paying near that for either of them because people are skeptical they'll actually be the closer Shohei Otani was a breakout on both of your lists and we talk about Shohei Otani seemingly every day and rightfully so because he has been awesome so far in the spring he's 14 for 22 with four home runs one of those was off of Shane Bieber straightaway center field over the batter's eye he also has a steal he has four walks to three strikeouts, and on Sunday, he had five strikeouts over four innings pitched. One of those strikeouts came against Fernando Tatis. I was on a I was on a podcast. Man, I'm forgetting. I think it's... I'll look up the name. I was on a podcast on uh, Monday afternoon, and um, they asked, in a daily league, how early would you take Shohei Otani? And I said, inside of the top six rounds. Is that crazy? Uh-huh. I couldn't do it. There, there are some really safe studs still available in that range. But man, if he's hitting the same day he's pitching, if they're not going to like, it's possible you get 500 plate appearances and 25 starts out of him. Well, if he's hitting the same day he's pitching, then yeah, that would actually be worse for those daily leagues. <laughs> but right, you actually. still have to pick on the day of. And I'm like, I'm really like, I was thinking about this today. It's it was fun they did in spring training, and obviously it's encouraging for how many. Like I I think how much they're talking about using him 
500 plate appearances as a possibility. But like they couldn't actually let him hit the days he pitches because they're forfeiting the DH for the entire game if they do that, right? I mean, you got you to gotta manage like a National League manager for like four innings a game. And Joe well, Madden, you're, you're, like assume, you're assuming he goes five innings, but that's putting a lot of pressure on him. Um, Joe, yeah, Joe I, Madden I, was in the National League but, for a while too, so I mean he knows how to yeah, do it. Yeah, but they they tend to carry small benches in the AL, like three guys, and yeah, yeah anyway. carry one extra guy. Um, <laughs> but I, here I am making ca- arguments against Otani, and he's on my breakouts list. I got him uh, like around 150 in yeah. a 15 team draft over. The weekend. And so, like, he's still, he's not rising. His rise has not been astronomical for the amount of hype he's getting. I think around 120 is where I'd start to think about taking him because I, like, I, I really, um, obviously the upside could be huge. And I think, particularly in a roto league where you're getting that home run steals combination, uh, in a points league, knowing he's probably not going to be in the lineup every day and you don't necessarily need the steals. You might end up playing him as a pitcher more often, but still like, it's just nice whenever you take him, knowing that you could fall back on the other anytime, you know? Um, so around 120, I, I start to get excited about taking him because like, it's looking like because they're talking about playing him more as a hitter, like his value is going to be more than we ever really even thought it could be. Uh, given the limitations on him in the past. Chris, you have Jesus Lazardo as a breakout, and you probably guessed, but we're not going to get to bust today, so we'll put that on tomorrow's podcast. So stick around for that. I want to make sure that we, we give enough time to to the bust category as well. Talk about some of those players that you should be avoiding. Chris, a lot of people were excited about Jesus Lazardo last year, and he d- didn't live up to expectations, but you have him as a breakout still. Why is that? Expectations were too high last year, and he came out as a rookie with very limited pro uh, exposure and had an ERA right around four and was pitching you know, more consistently deep into games than I expected him to be, especially after his first handful of starts. Uh, I think he is enormously talented, and the you know his ADP is basically the same as it was last season. Uh, I think among starting pitchers, he's being drafted maybe a little bit earlier, but not by much. And he answered, I think, the biggest question I had, which was could he hold up to, you know, not necessarily, he didn't answer can he hold up to a 200-inning workload, but could he hold up to consistently throwing 90-plus pitches? Uh, Every pitcher can get hurt. He's more likely than most given his track record, but I think the stuff is really good. He's talked about how, um, I think it was his changeup he didn't really have a feel for last season. He's been reworking that into his Frank. Is that right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Either the changeup or the curveball for Lazardo. One of them, he didn't really feel like he had the feel for it. I think it was the changeup. He's been talking about it, uh, feeling a lot better this spring. He was, he's one of the most talented young pitchers in baseball. And, uh, I'm, I'm willing to go out and get him as my number three or number four starting pitcher. Well, if it was the changeup that he was struggling with last year, Chris, it was still really good for him. He had, a yeah. 19% swinging strike rate on two different pitches last year. That included his changeup and his slider. Oh, and on top of that, he throws 95, 96 miles per hour with his fastball. So I, I'm also with you there. Like he's grown on me as spring has got, like, gone on. And just remembering. Okay. It was the breaking ball that he didn't feel like he had mm-hmm. last season. Yeah. 
I mentioned the stat before too, but basically he was forced into a start last year on August 14th because Frankie Montas got scratched with a back injury. So Lazardo just found out he was starting that day. I think it was against the Giants. I used him on DraftKings that day and he was terrible. Um, <laughs> but Jesus Lazardo allowed six earned runs over three and a third in that start. And if you just look at his other 11 starts, he had a 3.42 ERA. So he was much better on normal rest when... You know, he did. He wasn't just forced right into action. So, Jesus Lozardo growing on me as well. He's inside my top 30 starting pitchers. I have him at SP28. Chris, you have him at SP30. And Scott has him at SP31. The last name that I wanted to give everyone, a little bit of a bonus breakout, is Nick Senzel. And we've talked about him quite a bit. Former first-round pick, former top prospect with the Cincinnati Reds. Dealt with a lot of injuries the past couple of years. And last year, he had a COVID situation. He has played 127 games in his major league career, and he's hit 14 home runs with 16 steals, a 245 batting average. That's not great, but if he can get that up to 260, stay healthy, it's definitely possible that he can go 20-20 in a great ballpark to hit in. Solid lineup around him as well. Uh, again, that is Nixon Zell, and he's looked really good in the spring so far. He's 11 for 32, two home runs, four RBI, a steal, and five walks to six strikeouts. So... Excited about one Nick Senzel. Um, anyone else here? Mm, Scott, you took Will Smith off of your breakouts list, so we the catcher. To, yeah, we talked about him. Will Smith yeah. movement, man. One's moving up, and the, the other one's moving down. So uh, makes sense there. Yep. I'll just wrap up with some team name Tuesday, man. We haven't done team name Tuesday in forever. Uh, Chris, I don't know if you have any team names. I texted you a little bit earlier. But uh, I saw you were tweeting yes. about a team name. Um, we got this one from Brandon. Actually, he sent in two. WanderVision. Good, good. Not bad. Uh, Batansis with Wolves. Bit of a throwback. Good. But like solid one. This one's from Darren, Greatest American Hiera. Apparently, it's a TV show. Okay. That's good. Solid. And I researched some. And by research, I, you know, I just looked it up and, and stole some off of a website. So not nearly as clever as Adam. Like, you, do, like, you know that at this point. So I'm not just going to be able to come up with them on the spot. But Bichette's Creek. Very good. This is Lowy We Do It. It's solid. Say It Ain't So, Toe. Yep, yep. Kiss from a Rosarena. Very good. Very good. Only the Good Day Young. Yep, yep, yep. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, uh, I've got I've got a few uh, to add. The one that I was talking about on Twitter. This is I, I would guess neither of you will get this reference. Uh, maybe some of the listeners were, but Merrifield Post Pavilion. Uh, no hit clue. me up if you get that one. <laughs> Where all my animal collective heads out there, uh, and then uh, a couple devoted to my my main girl Taylor Swift and her two surprise twenty twenty. Uh, album release releases one Mark Folk Loretta and two Raphael's Devermore. So uh, there you go. <laughs> Folklore and Evermore were the name of the two albums. So there you go. Oh man, I love that you're just never change. Chris. I, I can spend entirely. <laughs> I, I just started working on a track by track baseball team uh, baseball pun listing for the folklore album so i'll hopefully have that one ready to go on twitter.com relatively soon very nice how i spend my time scott i know that you're a big fan of the team name tuesday just kidding do you have any that you want to mention man to me you can never go wrong with hot dogs and hanniger's (laughs) relevant this year we're all in on mitch hanniger how about about rincon and the winter 
Shohei, would that be a good one? What are you wait? What are you doing here? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Okay. So say it again. Ring Rincon and the Winter. Uh, what would be like a no, good that's... soldier? Winter Shohei. Yeah, you're, you're uh, Winter Solar. Solar. Taking you yeah. off the track. Rincon and the Winter Solar. There you go. Boom. Put it on the board. Okay. Uh, you can put it on the right. board. All right. We're going to wrap there because we need to end this. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.